0: Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
1: The volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on Amp. Amp is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. (laughs) What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff Three and Out Podcast. Recording this on a Monday afternoon. If you are hearing this and you missed yesterday's show, it was a mailbag heavy podcast. And the way you get into the mailbag, and we'll do a couple mailbag questions at the end of this show as well, it's just my Instagram at John Middlecoff. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered on the show. Uh, some football stuff going on. The Bills, keep making moves to the defensive line. Uh, we will talk about some quarterback potential contracts, as well as another guy involved in gambling in the NFL. I, I just do not understand it. I, I don't get it. We will dive into all that, as well as, like I said, the mailbag. And the plan is, so football podcast today, football podcast yesterday, we will have a go-low podcast coming up on Wednesday with Jason Sobel, who... Pick Victor Hovland, who you could have got, I think, you know, 25 to 1, 28 to 1, I think, before the Memorial. Kids hot. Um, Hovland and Sobel. And then I think we'll end the week with a podcast, football podcast. So we got, we got a lot of content flowing. This is uh, no, no no rest here. You know, we got to keep, uh, keep the lights on. So podcast flowing. Appreciate everyone listening. Also on YouTube. Check out the Volumes YouTube channel. We will have a uh, U.S. Open deal in a week during uh, the third major of the year with some Golo merch. We will get into that on the Go Low podcast. So uh, let's dive in. But before we do, do you want to go to an NFL game this fall? Do you want to go to a college game? Do you live in the South want to get to an SEC game? I know I do, eventually in my life. Still haven't been. Here's what I need you to do. Grab your smartphone, go to your app store, and download the Game Time app. Happens to be the fastest growing ticket app in America. And it's the official ticketing app of this podcast. So go do that right now. And when you sign up, use the promo code John, J-O-H-N, just my name, and get $20 off your first pair of tickets. So you want to go to a baseball game this summer, a football game this fall, a concert, a comedy show, check out Taylor Swift. Hear her concert's uh, pretty entertaining. Well, if you want to go, promo code John, $20 off. Hammer that promo code, baby. I got your back. Don't even need a thank you. Like I always say, just use that promo code. That's the best gift you can ever give me. I appreciate everyone, every single one of you that have used it, and so does GameTime. Um, keep hammering that, downloading that app. <laughs> yeah, I want to start with the Bills, because they made some headlines today. They extended a player. They signed another player. Uh, and it goes back to last year when they gave a lot of money to Vaughn Miller, which I thought was pretty extreme. But in fairness to them, before he got injured, he was having a fantastic season. Uh, and I think the lasting memory that we all have in 2000, I guess it was technically in 2023, but of the 2022 Buffalo Bills, who have now established themselves as you know one of the powerhouse teams in the league, was them getting worked by the Bengals, physically kind of tossed around. Now, I follow the Bills very closely. Uh, Love Sean McDermott, known him for a long time. Don't know Josh Allen, but California Central Valley guy, I root for him. They're a fun team to watch. He's a very explosive, fascinating player, right? Like most people, I thought it was crazy to draft him that high, and they haven't been proven just right. I mean, they found themselves a superstar player. But in a playoff game... They got shoved around by the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no really way around it. And I think they deserve credit because sometimes teams, when they get worked in the playoffs, I think we can look back and look what they've done moving forward and go, you know, they're just not building this thing the right way. They really are, right? They continually double down on the defensive line. And it's one area in, you know, still left in the game of football where you can be really physical and you can kind of set the tone for your team. And I saw it with the 49ers the last couple of years. I saw the Cowboys give the 49ers everything they could handle. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles built the thing at the line of scrimmage, right? You look at the Kansas City Chiefs offensive and defensive line. When you invest in the line of scrimmage and not at some auxiliary quote unquote positions, it's an area you can set separate yourself and really. Determine the team's toughness. And the Bills have attempted to do that. You know, did they give Von Miller a tad bit too much money? Yeah, probably. You know, Ed Oliver extending him, signing Leonard Floyd. Obviously, they've invested a lot of draft picks at the top, uh, you know, two years ago with I think their first and second round pick with the defensive line. They are attempting to do everything humanly possible to be a physical team and not get shoved around again like they did last season. Now it's just on their personnel moves like did they did they draft, sign and extend the right players? Because I can never fault you for the mindset of going, you know, heavy in terms of your salary cap space and your resources with the offensive and defensive line. It just comes down to did you do it with the right players, right? The Denver Broncos. I understand why they invested in a offensive guard and offensive tackle. The question is, is McGlinchey worth that much money? At least with Vaughn Miller, when the Buffalo Bills, you know, gave him a large contract last year, I think over $50 million guaranteed. First, about all famer. And when he's healthy, as you saw last year or two years ago with the Rams in their Super Bowl push. And then early on last year, he's still a difference making player. And Floyd can be an extra piece. Ed Oliver can be a really good, you know, third, fourth guy on your defensive line. The, the price of admission now for these players, it's not cheap, right? We saw Javon Hargrave, who the 49ers, he's on his third contract, get four years, $80 million and 40 of it guaranteed. So when you extend, pay, sign these guys as free agents, or obviously want to draft really good players, you know, you usually have to draft them high. You usually have to pay a lot of money. So I understand what the Bills are doing and I commend their mindset. Now it's just gonna come down to they have the right players, right? Did did they go in on the right guys? Because they're gonna be held to one standard. Can you beat the Chiefs and can you beat the Bengals in the playoffs? And we'll see how this Aaron Rodgers things kind of comes to fruition. But can you can you hang with him? Right? Because you're gonna go after, you know, Mac Jones. We we've seen what the Bills do with the uh, with the New England Patriots, right? And even last year, like that Miami game, one of the most bizarre wins of the season, right? Remember, they outgained them, the the, uh, the time of possession, the, the play disparity. But I, I think the Bills clearly are better than the Miami Dolphins. It's just going to be, can they get after Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and now Aaron Rodgers, and any other really good quarterbacks? We know there are a ton in the AFC, but they're going to be judged in January. Because last year, right, I had high hopes and then they got killed in the second round. And it feels like they take they've taken a step back. And I think sometimes, you know, you don't have to overreact to a loss. uh, But, you know, like the Eagles, there's no reason for them to overreact to a crazy loss in the Super Bowl. Now, if you're the Bills, like, do you have enough toughness? And they keep signing defensive linemen. They keep extending defensive linemen. So I, I, I do think they are going about it the right way. Now it's just going to come down to their head coach. Here's the other thing. Sean McDermott has gotten back to his roots. He's calling the defense. So they get rid of Leslie Frazier. He was the fall guy last year. So does Sean McDermott make an incremental uh, difference for them from a toughness standpoint, from a defensive scheme standpoint, and they don't get worked when it matters this time around? If you're watching the NBA Finals, uh, it's really a pretty fascinating two-star players going up against each other, right? Jimmy Butler was kind of discounted over the years until he got to Miami, right? It was like, how good is he? Chicago Bulls kind of sold on him. Then he went to Minnesota and it was like, ah, he was too tough on so- on Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Then he goes to Philadelphia and they essentially choose Ben Simmons over him. We can relitigate that all we want, but that's just a fact and Pat Riley went all in and he's been rewarded. Now, I think we can argue how good Jimmy Butler is relative to the league during the regular season, but there is not a regular season that means less in 2023 than the NBA. And Jimmy Butler, if you just judge him on his playoff performance, he's easily a top 10 player. And Nikola Jokic, the Joker as he goes by, uh is clearly a transcendent talent. So in the NBA, it's very clear It's a star-driven league. It's about getting the right stars and then just going all in around the guy. And Denver's a good example. They've gone all in around the Joker, won multiple MVPs, and now three wins away from an NBA Finals. The Heat have done it a little NFL style. They got a bunch of undrafted free agents. You know, Bam is obviously a really good player, but some other random guys, and they just kind of make their hay on coaching, culture, And just Jimmy leading the charge. Not always the prettiest thing, but it it works. I I heard Coward kind of compare it to the Patriots because historically, New England, with some of those Tom Brady teams, player for player were not always the best and honestly, rarely the best team in the league, top to bottom talent-wise. They won with clearly Brady, but coaching, discipline, execution, toughness, mental toughness, kind of wearing your ass down ultimately making you make a mistake that they were not going to make in the biggest moments. And what's cool about it is like in pro sports, you go as far, especially in basketball and football In basketball as your star player in football as your quarterback. And I saw a headline today that they must have had a golf tournament in Los Angeles. Brandon Staley talked about the ongoing contract talks with Justin Herbert. We have talked before about the ongoing Contract talks with Joe Burrow. And I think all you want in the NFL when you land a star player, and ideally it's at quarterback, but it could be Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa. It could be Travis Kelsey. It could be Chris Jones. It could be, we go around the league and, and pick out star players. Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey is the total package. Like that's what you're looking for, right? A guy that you can pay a premium, who can become your leader. And then you just basically build around him. And in football, if it's not the quarterback and if it's, you know, an offensive tackle, a defensive pass rusher, a wide receiver, a tight end, you want him to be the total package. And when you look at the Chargers and the Bengals, like they should think they're lucky stars because they got two guys like whatever the Denver Nuggets pay Joker, what they've paid him so far and what they will inevitably pay him over the next seven, eight years. It's a discount. Right. Whatever the Heat have paid Jimmy Butler, it's clearly not enough. Right. What he means to them in winning at the highest levels. Now, Joe Burrow has accomplished more than Justin Herbert, right? Bunch of playoff wins. Herbert still doesn't have one. He's only been in the one playoff game and they lost it in the crazy comeback to the Jags. But I'm a huge believer in Justin Herbert. Uh, I understand, I I don't want to say reservations, but it's easy to push back when you haven't proven it. If you watch football on a weekly basis and you also factor in that his head coach is Brandon Staley and defensively, they have been very hit or miss over the last couple of years, right? When it's mattered the most, like I I can't put it all on Justin Herbert now to get over the hump. He's going to have to be really good in the playoffs. Joe Burrow has proven that. But one thing Joe Burrow's had going for him is his defense. The last couple of years when it's been nut cutting time has come to play. But overall, either way, like I'm going all in on both guys. And I think both franchises should feel very, very good about it. One of the stories right now coming out of the 49ers. Now he's not a quarterback and he's already under contract. I obviously haven't been to a practice so far the last couple of weeks, but all the reports, Anthony Lynn, I think spoke last week. Christian McCaffrey is like a man amongst boys out there. Now, granted, Nick Bosa is not there. He's allowed to stay in Florida and train. Uh, Trent Williams is not there. Debo's, you know, kind of working on the side. But the standard in which Christian McCaffrey and really the moment they traded for him up until really today, in which he operates on a daily basis, is he's underpaid because his effort, his just mindset on the practice field, the standard he sets for all the young guys looking around. And when you draft star players, Right. Or when you draft a player and then they become a star. Ideally, and this is why character matters so much. It's why that we question, you know, the Kyler Murrays of the world. Like, can you afford to put all your chips in the middle of the table on your star quarterback and pay him all this money when he's not the hardest working guy in the building? When he's not the guy that sets the standard for your entire building of just excellence, anything less is unacceptable. Tom Brady did, Peyton Manning did, Drew Brees did. Clearly, guys around the league like Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, I think Justin Herbert is going to fall under that umbrella. We've seen what uh, Jalen Hurts means to the Eagles in terms of the way he conducts himself, the way he works. It is so important. And I think sometimes it can feel, I don't want to say overblown or overdone, but we talk so much around the draft about character, 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 or when question marks become available through a trade right? Or available as a free agent? Is it worth it? And I think the teams that circumvent the standard get themselves in positions where they regret it. And I think the NFL is very, very lucky right now to have just such high level guys in the league. When you look at it, and I remember talking to Coward about this last year. I I forget exactly what we were talking about, but I, I remember going through the all pro list, the first and second team, And I don't have it off the top of my head, but I I think there might've been one guy who would be quote unquote, considered a questionable character. The overwhelming majority of them were like super high level guys. And you want to win in this league. And if you look at the teams that are winning right now, like ultimately the Cowboys, their success the last couple of years, this isn't like the 1992 white house Cowboys, (laughs) you know, with drugs and the strippers and the, you know, all the craziness going on off the field, look at their squad, pretty high level group of dudes right? Obviously the Eagles pretty well together. Bunch the chiefs, the Bengals, the bills, you know, this is for the most part. I'm not saying every guy is some choir boy, but it's just high level dudes that are clearly really good players. Cause it's talent league. You got to have, you know, the, there's a standard in which to be a really good player. You have to have a prerequisite of physical ability, playmaking ability, production, but most of these guys, and this is the one thing the, the Patriots were the closest to the line of like, God, they got a lot of overachievers, but they had enough high end talent always, whether it was Brady, whether it was Gronk, whether it was Will Fork, wh- whoever, Logan Mankins that, you know, this league is, you know, I, I, I think sometimes we don't give the proper justice to the importance of high level dudes. And I've said this forever, you know, when guys get in trouble, that the NFL, those guys are the minority in the NFL. The majority of the guys in the league are just high-level guys, right? And I'd say the majority of really good players are are, are really high-level
0: guys. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: And last but not least, talking about not high level, I just do not understand. In 2023, with all the information we have, everything is digital now. There is a a Colts player right now who supposedly is not a star player, but he is a guy that, according to reports, NFL fans will know who he is. At the time of recording this, I do not have a name. I just have the headline for the story that there is a player being investigated by the league for extensive gambling. And it's going to come out and some of the media will push back. It's hypocritical to not know. The players, just like the owners owned the revenue of these gambling companies. And for, because of the integrity of what is going on with the NFL, you're not allowed to gamble on football. We can argue and attempt to litigate over social media or text message or whatever, whether it's fair or not. But the reality is, those are the rules. So I, I don't get how guys, especially now, everything is tracked. When you put your name in, they know who you are. They can track where you are. So some of these guys, like with the Lions, I think Jameson Williams, was gambling on college. Well, they can tell where you are. Anyone watch these murder shows? Now with our phone, they know everywhere we're going. So I, I just... This notion, that I saw either Florio or someone wrote earlier today that... Maybe there was some question in whether the information to the players was set in stone early on, like in meetings or whatever, that you are not allowed to do this. I, I guess there are people that like it's not being articulated or streamlined well enough to really hammer home. I Listen, in my experience, well before gambling was legal sports wise throughout the country like it is now, I thought it was pretty clear. It was well laid out uh, when I was with the Eagles. So to me, there are no excuses. And I don't understand if you're a player, even if you're like on a veteran minimum salary, making a million dollars, how it's worth it for you to gamble when you know the repercussions, right? You you know, and especially now you've seen Calvin Ridley, that, that was a year ago now. And I love to gamble. But if you told me that I was not allowed to gamble, And that was the only way I could keep podcasting and making a living. I would not gamble. It would be pretty easy. I'm not saying I would like it. I enjoy gambling on golf. I really do. And I can't wait to gamble on the US Open here in two weeks. But if that was part of the stipulation of my job and the success financially I was having, I would easily be able to slow it down. Now, I would understand. And this is why I think you've seen some... Instances in college baseball where gambling has become a problem—it's hard. Like you can't pay off. There is no amount of money you can bet to get like in the pocket of some star NFL or basketball player. They make too much money. It's just impossible. Why? Right? It's why historically the referees have been bought off. You can't buy off a coach or a player. They're making too much cash. Same with college football. Same with the NFL. We're in college baseball. Okay, you got a coach, you know, making three, four hundred grand. You could fifty thousand dollars to him is a lot, right? Fifty thousand dollars to some star wide receiver isn't that much money? You're basically just gambling because it's entertainment, and I totally understand it. But given what's on the line, it just doesn't make any sense. So I, I can't fathom having uh, being that stupid, really, <laughs> to, to gamble on sports when it's well laid out in front of you. You know the consequences. You have seen guys get in trouble. And listen, even if you like gambling, you got some coin, what are you betting? Five grand a game? Like, how is that worth it when you're making at minimum a minimum salary is seven, eight, nine hundred grand? And that's assuming you're on a rookie contract. If you're on a second contract, that thing's starting at seven figures. So these guys, man, I I think. Everyone around the league now has absolutely zero excuse to not understand what's on the line, but also understand that when you use your phone, you are being tracked. These companies, there is a lot of red tape surrounding all this. We're still very, very new in this legal sports gambling in a lot of these states. They're going to follow the rules. It is just not worth it for them to cut corners or have something shady happen. And then get their license removed in a state, or have something, you know, take on and incur a big fine. Right? There's no point doing that. That's why they are being extra cautious, and they're even more likely to forward every single questionable name transaction immediately to the leagues that they are in business with, i.e., the same as the players. So the the these whoever I'm not going to no free ads here. But when you're in business with these leagues, the players benefit from that too because there's a revenue sharing. So really just shake my head at these guys' stupidity. (laughs) Okay, let's dive in to the mailbag. Let's bang out a couple questions and get you guys out of here on your merry way. Appreciate everyone listening. Start with Thomas. Again, DMs, wide open, Instagram, at John Middlecoff. Hard to watch most of the games with the time change So it's huge having podcasters like you to listen to to during my waking hours. He started this. I I skipped the line. Avid listener from over in France. I have a two-part question for the mailbag. First, do you or have you ever played fantasy football? And second, I have noticed that fantasy has had an impact on creating a divide among football fans' opinion on players. Obvious examples. Justin Fields, potentially Anthony Richardson, get massively hyped when in real football, they might just be a mid or low tier starter. Hell, just this past year, I was in leagues where Mariota was taught highly of. I was wondering your thought on the topic of dueling fan perceptions. A lot of different angles here. First and foremost, I've never played a full league as start to finish throughout the season. I started playing daily fantasy over the last three or four years, I, I don't consistently do it, but I have played daily fantasy. I have never been in a fantasy football league. Now, I'm not acting like I'm against it. I'm glad that it's a part of football. It's helped separate the sport, clearly. And it's created a lot of, I would say, novice fans and people that might not be interested without it to keep very close eyes. And then really you know, strong fans, even more invested in... In the entire league. So, I'm a big fan of it. Just when you... You know... I, I don't know. I just haven't played. You know? I guess when I was younger, probably in college... You know, it was probably less popular. Like, when I was in college in like 03, 04, 05, 06. And then I aspired to work in football. And I started working in like 08 and 09 in college football. And by the time I got to the NFL in like 10, 11, 12, fantasy was probably really taken off. And I just... Got into radio, now podcasting. I, I just live it in terms of read so much about it, such a big part of it. Some people say, you know, you guys can ask me during the season fantasy football questions. I, don't, I do not pretend to be Matthew Barry or my guy Field Yates, but I, I, I do enjoy the banter. You know, having not consistently played it, I, I, it's hard to have like, uh, here's the thing. Historically, running backs have been the number one overall picks, right? Like Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Adrian Peterson. And clearly in real football, quarterbacks and even receivers are more important. Uh, so I I get what you're saying. And part of it is like Field's running ability. He cannot throw a touchdown, but if he runs for two, throws for 150 yards, and runs for another hundred, still gets you points. Just part of the you know, part of the game. So I, in in terms of fantasy, I I got nothing against it. I'm glad people really enjoy it. It feels like it's, I don't know if it's more popular now than ever, but it's clearly really big. You know, I, I I don't pretend, you know, I say this always about gambling. I try to be very authentic on this show. I just talk about what I like and what I do. So I have no problem talking about gambling because I like to gamble I don't talk that much about fantasy because I don't play. Not against it, but I think a lot of people talk about gambling that would never gamble, right? Colin was one of the first to talk about gambling back in the day with, like, RJ on his ESPN show a decade ago, right? Because he was gambling on games. It was interesting, fascinating. And listen, I've always said, like, I don't care if you're not betting $1,000 a game or $10 a game, but, like, do you actually gamble? And the amount of people in the media that I would have a hard time seeing, we've seen their Twitter accounts very risk adverse in terms of the way they live their life. So I, I think they, uh, they're they not probably a big uh, big gamblers when it comes to football, which is obviously the number one bet sport in America. Okay, Trevor, how do NFL contracts work when a player is traded? Did the Jets get a copy of Aaron's contract with the Packers? If so... Is that how other teams find out about different clauses and salary cap structuring to use their future contracts with players? Or is there just a base contract that you can change, amend, add, subtract? Thank you for helping me during football fix, uh, during my football fix and outside of each season. I have completely seen the game that I love watching differently since finding your podcast. I appreciate it, Trevor. There is a data- database. Uh, I, I don't have the exact name off the top of my head. It might just be the league database that every team has access to. So the moment I sign Leonard Floyd, Jalen Hurts, you name it, big or small, a contract, it goes into a database that every team in the league has access to. So for example, when Howie and the Eagles were working on Jalen Hurts' contract, what do you think they did? They brought up the last four or five quarterback contracts and they use that as a guide some of the clauses some of the structuring of the money and then they kind of curtail it to their own team how they fit in the money under their own salary cap situation issues now i think what makes football dramatically different than baseball and basketball and i i feel like i'm repeating myself here but if you make a four-year 80 million dollar contract so 20 million dollars a year I think Amari Cooper signed just a five, back in the day five years, hundred million dollars, sixty guaranteed. In basketball or baseball, it would just be twenty a year, or one year'd be eighteen, the next year'd be nineteen, the following year'd be twenty-two, and you just pay it out as this, you know, as they played out the years on the contract. In football, it's very different. There is a signing bonus, which, like any bonus, if you sign a hundred thousand dollar, you know, contract to sell insurance and you get a $10,000 signing bonus, you get that money up front. So when you see these signing bonuses of 10, 20, 30, 50, whatever million dollars, that is paid to the player. And that is under the umbrella of the guaranteed money. And I, I don't pretend to be Howie or Parag here, but you amortize the signing bonus and the guaranteed money over the life of the contract. Now, some of these contracts now have these fake voidable years that you can use to amortize it over the life of... On the books, right? It's why I think Javon Hargrave is a good example. He signed with the 49ers, $40 million guaranteed. I don't have a signing bonus off the top of my head, but let's just pick a number, 25. And he got four years averaging $20 million a year. It's why I think the average per year can be a little overstated. It gets agents a lot of credit and makes players feel good. But I think Hargrave's cap space or cap hit this season is Like six million dollars, right? We're in the NBA, his number would be 20 million dollars because he's averaged 20 a year. Well, that's not the way these contracts work. So, when it comes to the clauses, I think there are obviously a lot of injury clauses with players that have previous injuries, i.e., Jimmy Garoppolo, that you base guaranteed money on, or you know, uh, their. You know, in the NFL terms, they use the term paragraph five because I think paragraph five is your base salary, which changes player to player. There are there are certain, you know, just baselines of veteran minimum, depending on how long you've been in. Clearly, rookie contracts are all slotted, but, you know, you the Denver Broncos signed Mike McGlinchey to a whatever, $80 million contract, 50 plus guaranteed, you can... Fudge that throughout the books, however you see fit. You can front load it. You can back load it. You can evenly load it throughout the course of the contract. Debo Samuel signed a, I think, $60 million guaranteed. Was it last year? I think his salary cap hit over the first two years aren't as big. Next year, it's like $28, $27 million. Now, when you see franchise tags or fifth-year options, those are a lot like NBA or baseball contracts. Now, they're only one year if I pick up your fifth-year option or I give you a franchise tag. But if that number is $20 million or $15 million or 75, I guess it wouldn't be 75, quarterback, $35 million, that's just one season, that much money, all guaranteed. So I I think that it's complicated. It's why you know Florio and these guys, they get access, or Pelissaro or Schefter, you know th- these guys in the league forward them the contract once it goes in the league database it's why florio can always on pro football talk break down a contract with the individual clauses it's out now someone would have seen it last year with the kyler murray video game clause but every team in the league is going to notice that because anytime these groundbreaking deals get set right the moment nick bose's contract he gets signed this offseason or joe burrow or justin herbert all the details will leak because everyone has access and everyone, you know, wants to talk about it because it is, it is fascinating. Sets the precedent on how you're going to do business, uh, you know, in the league based on high-valued players. Longtime listener from Sweden. Having been a season ticket holder at the London games and thus having watched the Jags in London multiple times, I have grown fond of them. See, shit is working. Don't sleep on Roger, branding worldwide. Do you believe this year they will take further strides and cement themselves as the class of the AFC South? Granted, the division is a strong candidate for worst in all of football, but the Texans could make some noise, and the Titans are always competitive under Vrabel. All the best. This is from Christos. I, um... Uh, I would say they are, I'm sure they are. I haven't looked at the division odds. The heavy favorite to win that division. They have separated themselves at quarterback, right? Tannehill feels like he's going the wrong direction. The Texans have a guy who's never taken an NFL snap. And what team, uh, and same with the Colts, and a guy that's, at least CJ, has played a lot of football at a high level. Anthony Richardson is a major, major work in progress. I think this year. You just want to build on last year, right? Win the division, host another playoff uh, game, win a playoff game. You know, potentially if if Trevor can take us take a step and become in the conversation, because I I think we start talking about him like this. He's not quite there. You know, he's not a top five quarterback yet, but he's definitely inching into the top ten stratosphere. Does he become like yeah? We start talking about him like the way we talked about him coming out. Because let's face it, I would say Trevor Lawrence is one of the biggest prospects in the NFL the last two decades. I'm trying to think. Andrew Luck. feels like Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence were bigger prospects than Matt Stafford. They were bigger prospects than Jared Goff. They were bigger prospects than Bryce Young. They were bigger... Pro- when I say bigger, I mean better, more... Critically acclaimed. (laughs) held to higher regard around league circles. Better prospect than Baker Mayfield. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head some of these top quarterbacks. Sam Bradford. So yeah, I mean, I, I think Trevor Lawrence, the hype on him should be competing for Super Bowls. Now, part of that is their team needs to improve. You know, the running game, ETN is probably more of like a hybrid closer to like a Best case scenario, Kamara type. Now I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Alvin because Alvin became you know a high end All Pro level player, but he's going to be more that than some between the tackles guy. And I think they've talked about it. You add Calvin Ridley, you know, defensively they've drafted a lot of guys the last couple of years. They had a number one overall pick defensive end. Can can Walker take a step? Uh, you got Doug Peterson, who's a proven Super Bowl winner. Who's a former quarterback, so you feel pretty good about him, the maturation of Trevor Lawrence around him, very stable human, just easy going, easy to be around. The opposite of uh <laughs> one of the all-time flameouts in Urban Meyer. But yeah, I I'd be very, very bullish on the Jags. I think I had someone. You know, I probably lost the uh the DM, but had DM'd me that after I kind of had had a take that it feels inevitable for the Jags to go across the pond and end up in London. That Shad Khan has invested pretty heavily in Jacksonville in terms of maybe it was his practice facility. Uh, I, I just think if there's an opportunity and it looked like you could do to your franchise, if you could have put a couple hundred million dollars in, but if the league wants you to move and you go, God, I can double the value of my franchise? Like, what are the Jags worth? They're an NFL team, so they're worth a couple billion. But you put them in London. Now, we don't know if it's going to go seamlessly or not, but if they're just in London, much bigger fan base in terms of quantity of people, you would have to imagine the franchise would be worth... Let's take an educated guess. 50% more? 100% more? If it's worth $2.5 billion, is it worth 5 immediately putting in London? I'm just speaking out loud here, but... That doesn't feel crazy.
0: Call me crazy. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Mailbag. I forget if you're married or not, but I think I want to propose to my girlfriend of six years, three in college, three out. Any advice? I'm not married no, but we just uh, bought a house, you know, congrats to me and moving in. I I mean, I already live with her, but, uh, we will, I got a little remodel project. My friends at Angie, you know, led me to, uh, still going through that process. That's you talk about (laughs) a remodel process, taking people through it's exhausting especially when you have no clue what they're talking about in terms of like they could throw any number at you. You're like, yeah, sounds good. So you see the number, you're like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. I have a lot of respect for you. You know, I to be that serious with someone at a really young age, it was it was hard for me for sure. Uh, I, I was not in the mindset in my 20s. Only thing that came first was work and trying to get further along in work and relationships you know, I, I didn't really get serious, serious with girls. I mean, I had a serious girlfriend in like high school and college, but marriage wasn't being in my mindset coming out of college is work, work, work. And really in my thirties and really the last, I would say four or five years, uh, I think more of that. And we all mature different ages. So I, I respect someone that you meet someone that you just, if you know, I'm a big gut feel guy. I've been like that my whole life, whether it be professionally or personally, you have a gut feel with someone you're working with, someone you're in a relationship, and when you know, you know. Like, so if if she's the one, and you know in your gut, and uh, you know you've been dating six years, but I, I would say three years in college. That means let's just pick a number. You start dating at twenty or nineteen, you know, and it's so now you're what 25, twenty five, twenty six. Uh, you get married early, have kids early, you know, be an empty nester by fifty. You know, be be playing golf from 50 to 75 with your kids. So it could be fun. Uh, I don't necessarily have any advice of how to do it. Uh, I've just seen my friends do it. People do it on Instagram. She's the one. She's the one. Buy a ring you can afford and just go all in and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, So (laughs) congratulations. My advice is you have any reservations. One thing I would say is don't do it for other people's reasoning, right? You're 25, 26 years old. Uh, time's on your side. And I would imagine you're not dating someone that's like 38. So her time clock, if she's your age, like, you guys got some time. My, my one advice would be this. If you do get married, enjoy your life for maybe a year or two. Now, maybe you guys are homebodies. You want to have children right away. And I, I don't fault you for doing that. Listen, I'm 38. I don't have kids yet. So by the time I have a kid, I'll be 39, 40 years old. Uh, which I, I plan on being young. I'm planning on being like Pete Carroll, 70 years old, kids like 25. I'm just running around, you know, 70 by the time I'm 70 might be the new 55. But I, the one thing I would recommend, and I don't know you, the way you operate in life. I would just enjoy each other's company without children for a year or two. Maybe she's all in, wants to have children right away. Listen, that's, I get it. But I don't think it's crazy to just have a good time for a year or two. When I say good time, I don't mean like go out all the time. I just mean just enjoy each other. I think some people have kids, and I've, my brother had kids. His son's three, three and a half now, probably craziest three and a half year old I've ever met. It's it's a lot, <laughs> you know. It's your life. You become pretty mature pretty fast, which is which is important. I want multiple children. Uh, and listen, I'm not saying that you should do it my way. But I I do think if you have the opportunity to just kind of hang out and just enjoy enjoy each other's company just as you two uh, without children at 25, 26, 27 is not the craziest idea. But follow your gut. If your gut says merrier, merrier. Live happily ever after. And uh, good luck to you guys. Okay, last question. Hope you had a great weekend. If you had to start a franchise today and you had to go all in, uh, and you had to go on was play on the field thus far and their injury history. Would you take Purdy or Lance? Thank for the great takes. I think I would take Brock Purdy and I wouldn't hesitate. And th- there's a lot of arguments in 49er land of like, it's not fair to Trey Lance. The NFL's not fair. You know, and one thing I base my take is on Trey Lance, good guy, everything I've heard, high character guy, tries really hard. You don't get to dictate who drafts you, and whether you're overdrafted? Right, it wasn't Solomon Thomas's or Cleland Furl fault that they weren't good enough to be, you know, worthy of the third or fourth pick. They were drafted there, and especially Cleland should have been like a second round pick. Turns out Solomon Thomas. I'm not trying to act like I'm some genius scout here. Now that I just podcast for a living, but if you watched him, it was clear tweener body couldn't bend not super powerful, plays hard. Number three overall pick was insane. And both guys are going to have longer careers. They're going to play for seven to 10 years. But where they were drafted, like, that was the team doing that, not them. And Trey Lance, this COVID year, didn't play, not a huge recruit. No one in the Power Five wanted him to play quarterback goes to a program that is like Alabama meets Ohio State meets Clemson of D1AA. They beat the shit out of everybody. He played well, but it didn't translate to the NFL, right? Like one thing that he did in college, if you go back and just watch his North Dakota State highlights, his one year as a full-time starter, they won the national championship. He ran a lot. Well, running away from a dude that plays for South Dakota State or Weber State or Montana State is clearly not the same of running away from NFL players. His running does not translate. Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson, like those guys, their athletic ability immediately translated. And they were confident it did. Why? Because they had played the best players in college that they were going to see immediately in the NFL. Trey's athleticism doesn't translate as a runner. And his passing, he's just not naturally accurate. Brock Purdy, sneaky, more athletic than you think, is very comfortable avoiding people. Now, he's not a runner. But his athleticism shows because he's very instinctive playing the position. And then when you play for the 49ers, they're not looking for Patrick Mahomes. They have Debo Samuel, who catches a lot of his balls behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Brandon Ayuk, within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. George Kittle, tight end. Christian McCaffrey in the running backs. Their play caller is a run-first 43-year-old, you know? So... I think Brock's just a much better player. Now, in theory, could Trey pass him in years to come? Not right, not currently, but over a five-year span? Sure. 49ers don't have that leeway anymore. This guy's going into his third year after the season. You got to pick up his fifth-year option. And they've admitted like he's no longer the starter. He's currently competing to be the backup. Was a story today. My guy, Matt Mayoko. they expect Brock Purdy to be cleared by the middle of training camp. Now, Still a lot to be determined, how his elbow reacts. we got a long way to go till then. But Trey Lance is competing to be the back. Zach Wilson is a backup quarterback. And whether it was Aaron Rodgers or whether it was Derek Carr, Zach Wilson was not going to be the starter for the New York Jets. Like, that ended. And I've been saying this for a while. Because of the amount of money in the NFL, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the you made less as a high pick. Well, I guess technically some of those guys made a lot, right? The Sam Bradford's and the Dominican But when I drafted you high, you were on scholarship for several years. Those days are done. Teams just don't have time. Coaches will get fired. I got to pivot. There's so much pressure in the league that like 15 years ago, Trey Lance is getting another year to figure it out. They just don't have time now. And last year, the team like kind of was clam- you know, clamoring for Jimmy Garoppolo to come back. When Trey got hurt and Jimmy won that game week two, They basically threw him a party on the field. It was crazy. And the 49ers players, a lot of defensive players, like they're, they're not into figuring out on the fly here with Trey Lance. Like those days are over. They tried it. Was it a miss pick? It sure looks like that. Now here's the other thing. If you are going to miss on pick on picks, which is inevitable, you got to be able to pivot fast. Howie Roseman missed on Jalen Rager pivot fast. The 49ers, if they that Trey Lance, the 49ers told you everything you need to know about when they signed Sam Darnold. If they still believed that Trey Lance could be really good, they would have just basically named him the backup slash he's gonna start early on, we're gonna ease Purdy back in. They're not saying that. Why? Because Kyle doesn't trust him as a player. And the thing in pro football, and this gets back to Solomon Thomas and Trey Lance, you can be a great guy the coaches, the executives can really like you. Like we talk a lot about questionable character guys. We don't talk enough about really good character guys that just aren't good enough. Because the bottom line in this business, like you got to be able to play. And at certain positions, quarterback, pass rusher, offensive tackle, you got to be really good or you just get replaced. Whether it's Wally Pipped or you just get benched. And I think what turns out is the 49ers made an aggressive move that, you know, was happened because Jimmy Garoppolo had been injured the previous year. They also traded up from, you should never do this. If you're going to trade up from 12, to me, you got to get either to one or two. They traded up to three. Like looking back, I think they'd like a redo on that. They could have just taken, I don't know, Micah Parsons, you know, taking someone else. I think they would definitely like a redo on that one. But you don't get redos in the draft. You get who you pick, and they pick Trey Lance. They got very, very lucky. Now, I'm not acting like Brock Purdy is just going to be some 10-year starter. But he is definitely better than Trey Lance right now. Definitely better than Trey Lance heading into the season, assuming he's healthy. And I think that the 49ers are living in the present and because of the way contracts work, I don't think you have a really some long... Trey Lance needs reps. He needs to play. Well, how does he get to play? This team doesn't have the runway of... Last year, Justin Fields, whether the Bears won or lost, reps, 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 reps. That's all that matters, right? This year, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, reps, reps, reps. Bryce Young, 49ers trying to win the Super Bowl. So if, if you can't complete basic out routes or comebacks or... Kyle feel comfortable about play calling with you as a passer you're just not going to play so that's probably a long winded way of saying Brock Purdy appreciate everyone listening thanks to my guy Holst on the audio my guy James on the video and appreciate all you guys for making this podcast possible talk soon